And why don't you give uh, Andrew Serkin a big welcome as he comes to continue our series on Christmas joy. Give him a big welcome. Come on. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Neil and Gwen, Andrew and Anne too. You are an inspiration to us and it's real joy that we get to partner with you uh, in your ministry this Christmas. As Jason said, we're continuing our series, uh, our Christmas series on joy. And last week, uh, Jason spoke on the fact that God is a God of joy. You know, God is fun. And we can enjoy being in God's presence. You know, sometimes God gets a bad rap and we think He's just dour. But actually, when we're invited into a relationship with Him, there is great joy. And Jason spoke of a number of things that God gives us so that we can experience and know joy. And this morning, I want to kind of work that a little bit further by looking at sustaining, finding joy in the journey. You know, it's God's promises that sustain us and sustain our joy in the journey. And so I think it's quite apt that we have a huge Advent calendar on stage, what I'm calling Mount Advent, um, because it is massive. But that's what Advent calendars do. You know, we kind of, as we look forward to Christmas, we open up one at a time if we're disciplined and we, uh, we experience a little thing of joy. If you like chocolate, you have a piece of chocolate. And hopefully there's a little bit of a story as well, a promise that reminds us of the journey, in the journey towards Christmas of who God is and His goodness towards us. Our kids have moved. Anyone got Advent calendars? Who's doing Advent calendars this year? Wow, it's really, wow. Five of you. That's interesting. Anyway, we're, we're totally into it as a family. Uh, we've gone digital We've gone digital, and uh, our girls wake up with joy uh, every morning, and uh, they jump on the computer, and they click a bauble, which you can't see on here for some reason, and there's a little song or a story or a game, and they love doing that. Uh, unfortunately, they do wake us up at some unearthly hour of the morning fighting and screaming uh, because it's their turn to play with it, and uh, joy is lost very quickly in the journey at the Circum household. You know, the Bible is full of journeys. The Bible is full of stories of journey. We're all on a journey. You know, we're on physical journeys, you know, whether that's a, a journey in a, in a new job or we're moving to a new town, new house, new city, new country. The fact is that journeys are a very human thing. We all experience and go through journeys. But we also go through spiritual journeys and meta metaphorical journeys. As we journey with God, we take steps of faith and we do the journey with God, and that is what we're going to explore this morning as we actually study a journey in Scripture, a story that you're probably reminded of in your Advent calendar, the story of the Magi, the wise men. As they journey, they make a physical journey, but also a spiritual journey towards the Messiah, the Savior. So why don't you open your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we are going to read together this fantastic Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, your digital device with you, we will have the words on the screen for you. The Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? 
We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had happened. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, journeys with purpose give us great joy. We see this here with the journey of the Magi. There is a joy that comes with purpose. You know, we don't set out on a journey unless we have a purpose to it. We set out on a journey because we have a destination in mind. We have a purpose in mind. And often purpose gives us great joy. Purpose gives us great joy. I can imagine that Magi set out with, with great joy in their hearts. Well, who are these Magi? Well, we're not really sure how many there were. It doesn't say, and they, we don't know whether they were royalty. It doesn't say that they were. So when we sing We Three Kings, we, we've got a few problems, although it's a lovely carol. We don't know how many there were, and we don't know if they were royalty. What we do know is that they were scientists. They were astronomers. They studied the stars. They studied the sky, and they looked for signs. We also know that they loved reading ancient prophecy, that they researched we know that they had dreams. It would be likely that they were, we know that they were from Persia, possibly from Babylon, that they were actually in a line of people uh, in a profession that flowed down from the prophet Daniel, the Jewish prophet who was in Babylon. We see a little bit of a cue there when they have a dream, which is quite unique. And when we read Daniel, we see that Daniel often had dreams and interpreted dreams. There's also part of a prophecy in Daniel which talks about the timing of when the Messiah would come. They would have had access to that. But there was a promise that they held on to, a promise that they had read from the book of Numbers, the old Torah, which they would have had access to. From Numbers 24, it's a promise that was given from God. And Numbers 24 verse 17 says, A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. And so they start this journey based on a promise and filled with joy because of a purpose. And we all take these journeys. For many of us, we are on a journey of faith, responding to the call, the promises, the dreams, and the gifts that God has given us. You know, we've received from God promises about who we are 
The promises that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are free from the power of sin and death, and that we are created on purpose, for a purpose. They are promises that we can take hold of as people of faith. And then those promises impact the rest of our life, the decisions and the journeys that we make. Perhaps for you, your journey is simply trusting God for every day, taking more time to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe it's being more intentional in sharing your faith with those you live, work, and laugh with those, your family, your friends, those you work with, investing more time into your children and into your family. Or maybe it's being obedient to the call and the purposes of God, whether that that be your job or career. Maybe that's starting a business or a project. Maybe it's moving, a location move, or taking some significant faith step. Maybe it's a financial step. I want to say maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you're not a person of faith yet. You haven't made that significant step of faith. Well, let me tell you, let me encourage you, continue the journey. Continue to seek like the wise men. Continue to ask questions. Continue to seek answers. I want to let you know that there is great value in the journey. I want to say that actually the faith journey is one filled with purpose, filled with joy. It is not anti-rational, but it is filled with great certainty and great hope and great joy. Keep going on the journey. You know, the the wise men were given a promise that gave them purpose that led to joy. But let me tell you, we can easily lose our joy. The truth and the reality is, is that no significant journey goes like it's supposed to, particularly faith journeys. They never go as you expect. There are always twists and turns in the journey that kind of knock you about a little bit. A few months ago, I was invited by my future brother-in-law, getting married to my sister Fee, to his Bucks Day. Now, I didn't have time or money to go to the whole day. You know how these things blow out a little bit. And so I, I chose just to do one. I looked at the options throughout the day, and the, the early morning activity was the one that appealed to me. It was a hike up Mount Timbergargan. Anyone been up Tibro before? Anyone hiked up Mount Timbergargan? Yeah, there's a bunch of you have done it. I've spoken to a bunch of people, seen their photos. And although I, I freak out with heights, I hate heights. I actually have a real love for mountains, which is a bit weird. And so I thought, yeah, I, I want to I hike up that one. I knew it was a bit of a scramble, but it wasn't too difficult. I thought I could do it. So I rock up early in the morning at the base of the mountain. And there is Micah, my future brother-in-law, with all his 20-something-year-old mates, and then me, who's, you know, late 30s-ish. And, and, and I, so I had to adjust, okay, I'm the only old dude as part of this group, but that's fine. They gave me assurances that they were going to go up the easy way. I remember I never climbed this thing. They go, ah, Andrew, you'll be fine. We're going to go up the easy way, not the hard way. You'll be fine. So I trusted them. I should have twigged when Micah put on his climbing shoes. But I, I wasn't perturbed too much. I trusted them. I put my faith in their promises and assurances, and off we went. 
And I was enjoying just the, the time with Micah. We started to do kind of a bush walk and then got to the foot of the mountain and then started to incline slightly and, and it got a little bit steeper, but nothing too difficult or disconcerting. Kept climbing and hiking, really. Um, and we, I got up just above the tree line, and I was loving it. I was enjoying spending time with Mikey, getting to know him, interrogating him just a little bit, and, I, and just enjoying during the time and enjoying the view. I took a photo here just above the tree line. That's nice. You know, I was, life is good. My heart was full of joy. We could, continued to climb for a bit, continued to walk for a bit, and then things started to get pretty steep. In fact, so steep that it involved some rock climbing. Now, I knew that Tipperagagan had a bit of a scramble, so I didn't think too much of it, kept climbing, until we're, it was really steep, until actually we were starting to rock climb. And, and I continued just to climb for a bit, climb for a bit, climb for a bit, until we got about halfway. And then I, I realized it, it dawned on me that we were not going up the easy way of Tibragargan. We were not going up the back way. I was climbing up the east face of Mount Tibragargan. I was freaking, I mean, it's a stupid thing to do. Someone after the eight came and said, Andrew, what were you thinking? You're an idiot. I said, I didn't have any choice because I realized I had no ropes and I could not climb down. It was too late for that. There was no way of getting down. And, my, and I'm, actually my heart's starting to race now because I hate heights. And you know when the, your panic mode st sets in, you're kind of trying to manage your breathing? I'm hanging onto the side of it. I don't know where my next move is. And, and any, you know, any, a fall would be death. And uh, I found out afterwards that you actually can die from doing this. Um, it was helpful to know afterwards. I'm hanging on. And, I, and when you start to panic, you start to self-talk. I was, I was coaching myself through the situation as I'm spread-eagled on the side of a mountain going, Andrew, take your time. Andrew, just manage your breathing. Andrew, you have got four beautiful children at home. Andrew, you've got a wonderful wife that you do not want to leave behind. Andrew, it is okay if you ask for help. And dead set, I was saying this. Andrew, it is okay if you call the RACQ care flight helicopter to get you out of here. Another dead set, another thought, Andrew, it's okay if you get rescued and still end up as a front lead story on Channel 7 News tonight. It's okay. The stupid things that you go through your mind. And then I, and then I just started to, I, I said a prayer. It was a very simple prayer. It went like this. Dear God, would you smite Micah and all his friends? <laughs> no, I didn't pray that prayer. I, I, just, I just thought it. Um, I said, you know how you get the plea bargaining kind of situation? God, I, I will do anything if you just get me off this mountain. God, I will, I will sell all I have and give it to the poor. Just get me off. God, I will buy those really expensive shoes for Megan for Christmas if you get me off this mountain. And somehow one of the guys was really nice and he just started to help me as I started to traverse and find a way up the cliff face. And I continued to climb and continued to climb. I was like a kid on a long journey going to holiday. Are we there yet? Was that, oh, is, is that the worst of it? Is it get, I kept asking that question. We made it to a cave, which is a fair way up, which was a bit of respite. And I remember standing in the cave and looking out. 
and I could see the Sunshine Coast, the beach. And at that point, I thought, man alive, I wish I'd taken the lunchtime option, which was the barbecue and beach. <laughs> I could see the wild horse, you know, mountain lookout. I love how they call it a mountain. It's an excuse for a hill. But I, I looked down at that wild horse lookout mountain down on the highway, and I was thinking, man alive, I wish I was on top of that thing right now. I managed to clamber and climb, traverse my way, and finally I made it up to the top of the mountain. Thank you. Thank you very much. I kissed the top of that mountain and swore I would never do that again. I said to Micah, Micah, this is a secret between us. Megan shall never know about what happened here today. And then I pushed him off. I didn't do that. Actually, that Megan, uh, sorry, not Megan. Megan didn't get married on Friday. Fiona, my sister, and Micah did actually get, get married on Friday, and it was a lovely, lovely wedding. Um, but the reality is, is that our journeys, our journeys often take the wrong course. And, and, and as we go, there are many ways in which we can lose the joy in the journey. There are many ways in which we can lose the joy in the journey. I would just say that um, the, the Magi, the Magi would have arrived in Jerusalem with great hope and great expectation. Here they were to see and meet the Messiah. And they arrived, but to their dismay, I would imagine it in their shock, the Messiah is nowhere to be seen. They'd trusted the promises that they'd read. They'd seen the sign in the sky. The Messiah was to be in Judah. They arrive in Jerusalem and the Messiah is not there. Now I reckon they would have experienced, like many of us do when we step out in the journey, they experienced doubt. Did we hear right? Did we read right? Did we understand right? I tell you what happens, I reckon often we start out on the journey and after a while if something goes wrong, we end up looking back, we end up looking down from where we've come and we go, am I actually on the right mountain? Am I actually pursuing the right purpose? Did I hear right? Was God really speaking to me? And I tell you what happens is we have those feelings of doubt, doubt gives way to fear and we begin to be afraid of the call. And, we begin, and I'll tell you what, what happens. Fear strikes our heart. And fear has a way of stealing our joy. Doubt. Another D is distraction. We start out pursuing the purposes and the promises of God. And along the way, things get hard. Things get difficult. And we begin to look out and we wonder, actually, this is a little bit too hard. Over there looks a little bit easy. I tell you what we're in danger of doing is we're in danger of settling. Settling for something less than what God's purpose is for our life. Settling for something less than, than our dreams and our purposes. And I tell you what, when you settle, you will never know the fullness of joy. You will never know the fullness of God's plan for your life. I love what Hebrews 12 has to say about distraction and particularly about how we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Can I just get those words up on the screen? 
This is Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Can I get verse three as well? Consider him. Jesus Christ, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I tell you, Jesus had a focus. He knew where he was going. He fixed his eyes towards the cross. He would not be distracted. He had a fixed mind. He knew his purpose. His purpose was to come, to live the perfect life and ultimately die the perfect death so that we could be invited into relationship with him, that we could know his grace, that we could know his love, that we could know his forgiveness. That was Jesus' purpose, and he would not be swayed. Often we are distracted, and thirdly, we are discouraged. It said in that Hebrews passage there that Jesus came against great opposition. Great opposition, yet Jesus persevered through the discouragement. You know, I want to honor Andrew and Anne this morning. They have persevered through great opposition, knowing the promise and the purpose that God has for them. And despite the opposition, have plowed ahead and are seeing great things happen there in Uganda. You know, often we come up against opposition and we get discouraged. I also reckon there's this danger of comparison that leaves us discouraged. Often we look at other people's journeys and we go, well, what about them, God? Look at them. They seem to be so happy, so joyful in the purposes that you have them. What about me? And we compare ourselves and, the, and where we are on the journey. Let me tell you, your purpose and your call is unique to you. Do not compare yourself to anybody else. Don't look sideways. Look towards Jesus and pursue the call that he has for your life. And don't believe the lies. You know, when we get discouraged, all of a sudden we start to think, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not gifted enough for the purpose that I feel that I'm called to do. Don't give in. Discouragement will steal your joy. And there's one final D that I want to point out. It's one that often we don't really reflect on or speak about in church, and it's the devil. I want to tell you that the devil is uh, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The devil wants to destroy your joy. In whatever way he wants to steal, rob, and destroy your purpose and your joy. We sit here in this passage. As soon as Herod finds out that there is a Messiah that is born, he moves to destroy the hope of salvation. And he commands that every boy under the age of two, harking back to Pharaoh in Egypt, every boy under the age of two to be slaughtered in the town of Bethlehem. You see, the devil wants to destroy the hope of the Messiah. He was at work back then, and he is at work today in your heart and in your life. He wants to rob you. He wants to destroy your joy. And he will do it any way he can. Often he undermines the promises that you've received from God. We see this firstly with doubt, and he uses these three Ds that we've looked at. Firstly, doubt. In the creation narrative, 
we read that the serpent in the garden, the devil, comes to tempt Adam and Eve. And we read it in the first verse of chapter 3. He says, the serpent comes and says, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this devil wants to do, he wants to plant seeds of doubt in your heart. He wants to plant seeds of doubt in your heart. He wants to question, wants you to question the goodness of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God. He wants to destroy your joy through doubt. He also uses distractions. He wants to distract you. He wants to provide other things in this world, lesser purposes, lesser things for you, get to, for you to get distracted by, for you to get enamored by. We read in Luke chapter 4, Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, he's baptized and then before he starts his public ministry, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Another echo back to Exodus and he spends his time 40 days walking through the wilderness and three times the devil comes to tempt him. And three times Jesus responds with the promises of God found in his word. See, the devil comes and offers Jesus lesser things. Hey, Jesus, you can have this. You can do this. I want to tempt you and distract you away from your purpose and promise. And Jesus says, no, the devil wants to distract you. And if he can distract you, he can destroy your joy. And thirdly, he wants to discourage you. He wants to accuse you. He wants you to not believe that actually what you heard or what you're stepping in is actually right or true. In, Ro in Revelation chapter 12, we read this. John writes, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. One, we see this wonderful picture of the Messiah who was one, but we also see a picture of the accuser standing before the throne going, accusing us accusing us before the throne. And the devil will accuse us. You'll know this because you'll hear it in your heart. You're a, you did, you can't. The accuser wanting to discourage you and pull you away from the purposes and the plans that God has for your life. Let me tell you, the devil wants to destroy your joy. He wants to rob you of your purpose and he wants to undermine the promises that God has spoken over your life. But let me tell you this, God's promises will sustain your joy in the journey. It's God's promises that will sustain your joy in the journey. You know, I love this. As I was reading this passage a number of weeks ago, this is what grabbed my heart. It was this part of the story where the wise men are in Jerusalem and God in his grace gives them the next step to find the Messiah. It's the religious leaders who give them a cue. They've arrived in Jerusalem. They're feeling doubtful, probably discouraged. Are we in the right space? We're in the right place. And then they get another piece of the puzzle. God speaks. He gives another part of the promise. 
And it goes back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And we read it again here in Matthew chapter 2. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then God gives them again the star. The sign in the sky. Verse 9 says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. You know, they'd stepped out in the promise of God, but often with our faith journeys, we don't get the full picture. God gives us enough to take the next few steps and then he provides the next steps as we trust him and as we follow him. And we can see here that God is leading them by his purposes and by his promises. You know, sometimes we just want everything figured out. Sometimes the destination itself is part of the problem. We get so fixed on the destination that we miss hearing from God. And God is so generous and kind in leading us and giving us what we need to sustain us on the journey and give us joy in the journey. And the, and the wise men, as they make their way to Bethlehem, are overjoyed, are filled with joy. I want to say to us this morning, to each one of us, that we can stand with confidence in the promises of God. We see this in the story. We have been given so many promises and we can trust them when we put our faith in the Creator. We put our faith in Jesus. And I want to remind you of some of those promises this morning. Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you've received and heard the promises and you've stepped out in purpose, but somewhere along the line, you've lost your joy and you find yourself asking the question, why am I doing this? Why am I here, God? I believe that God is wanting to remind us again of the promises He has made to us. And my heart and my prayer is that He will speak to you this morning that He will reveal Himself to you this morning. Again, He will reveal His promises to you. Let me remind you, if you are in Christ today, of some of the promises you can take hold of. You know, if you are feeling alone, God promises, I am with you even to the end of the age. If you're feeling exhausted, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. If you're feeling oppressed, if God is for us, who can be against us? Feeling worried, cast your anxieties on Him for He cares for you. Feeling weak, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength I need. Feeling attacked, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and He will flee from you. If you're feeling helpless today, our God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Feeling condemned, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are feeling shamed this morning if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us of unrighteousness and if you are feeling unloved neither height nor depth nor anything nothing can separate us from the love of God can I hear an amen this morning can we take hold of some of those promises this morning let me tell you this that Jesus is no longer in a manger the promise of the gospel, the promise of Jesus is that, that He grew up. 
that he, 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 he lived a life. He walked this earth that Jesus lived and He died and He rose again. Jesus is no longer in a manger. Jesus is King of the world. He's King of the world. And we can feel secure in the promises that God has made because it's found in a person. God authenticates His promises in giving Himself humbling himself in a manger, but that is not the end of the story. We sing joy to the world because Jesus is King. We sing joy to the world because Jesus has lived. He died on an ugly Roman cross for our sins, our brokenness, our shame, our rebellion. And He rose again three days later, defeating sin, death, darkness, doubt, and the devil, so that we can know joy, relationship, and purpose in Him. Can I hear an amen this morning? Thank you. Hey, I wanna ask you this morning, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know the Saviour of the world? the one who promises and offers us joy no matter our circumstances. The promise is, is that we, we won't always go have it easy. Life will not always be easy. The promise is, is that we can know joy because of the promises that God has given us. I wanna ask you this morning, do you know joy? Do you know joy right now? No matter your circumstances, do you know that deep-seated sense of joy that comes with knowing the Saviour? Maybe you're here and, and you've been on a journey, but you, you, as you sit here, you would say, you know what, I, I don't know Jesus. Jesus isn't King of my life. Yeah, I probably can acknowledge and see Jesus as a nice baby in a manger, but He's not my Saviour, He's not my King. And today is the day where you actually say, Jesus, come into my life. I need that joy. I'm struggling with discouragement and doubt and disappointment. I'm struggling with myself and I don't know joy. I wanna say to you this morning, this is your moment to receive the King of joy into your heart. I reckon there are others here this morning who maybe many years ago, you made a step of faith and you received Jesus into your life, but along the journey, you've walked away from Him. You've lost the joy of your salvation. And this morning, God is calling you back. And you know that you need to come back. You need to, once again, allow the King of joy to invade your life and your heart. I'd love to create a moment right now for you to respond. What we're gonna do is I'm just gonna invite every person in this room, just to bow your head and close your eyes, just across this room, why don't we do that right now? And if you're sitting here and, and you would say that's, that's you, that's your category, you are, you are needing to make Jesus King of your life, maybe for the first time, maybe to recommit. Just in this space, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask you to do something courageous. I'm gonna ask you just to stick your hand up right where you are and say, I want that. I need to make Jesus the King of my life. I need the King of joy in my heart. If that's you right now, I'm just gonna ask you, raise your hand where you are. We had a bunch this morning at the eight o'clock. 
Just stick your hand high in the sky. Awesome, I see that hand. That's fantastic, fantastic. I see that hand right in the middle. Awesome, I see that hand. Anyone else? You know that you need to step into a place of joy. Thank you, up the back there. I see that hand, that's awesome. Anybody else? Down the front here, see your hand. It's the commitment you're making towards God. Anybody else? Just one final moment. This is, this is fantastic. Hey, that is so good. Hey, I'm gonna, I'd love, to, you can put your hands down now. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. It's a really simple prayer. Just saying, Jesus, I wanna make you king of my life. I turn from my ways and I follow your ways. Come and fill me with your spirit. Come and fill me with your joy. I'm gonna get you to everyone, maybe just everyone across this room, if you're comfortable to pray this, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Just pray it out loud above a whisper, everyone in this room, if you're comfortable to pray, along with those who stuck their hands up. Let's pray together, come on. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you humbled yourself and came for me. I recognize that I've walked from you. I've gone my own way. But God, I turn around and I make my journey back towards you. Will you fill me with your spirit? Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you fill me with your joy? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, awesome. Why don't we give those guys a huge hand this morning?